Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He gave, yeah, everyone gets an incomplete except the Marlins who got an F. <laughs> He hit 343 with a 373 on base and a 443 slugging in 75 plate appearances. So he's down there to swing the bat, and and he was doing it right. Given everything we heard, I mean, obviously there's a huge box of salt you got to take with any trade rumors, but. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome. To Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 84, Schrodinger's Offseason. Yes, I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. How's it going? Uh, It's going good. If if you took this offseason and put it in a box, would (laughs) would any (laughs) trades have occurred? Uh, um, it would be both going and not going at the same time. <laughs> exactly. It, it, all the trades could be done. All the agents could be signed or nothing could have happened. You don't really know. Uh, we do have rumors. I mean, we got rumors about Josh Harrison and we got rumors about J.D. Martinez and we got rumors about Josh Donaldson, uh, which, of course, we are going to have to talk about. We also have a non-rumor uh, baseball prospectus, Jay's top 10 list of prospects. That's not why we're called prospectus, is it? Uh, we have the other prospect, Anthony Alford. He's having a winter to remember. Uh, Shai Davidi talked a bit about why this offseason might be kind of non-existent. And then we have your questions. Some excellent questions came in this week. The people working on the questions are working harder than the MLB GMs right now. That's my feeling. Uh, are they still on vacation? Or <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe they moved opening day to May 1st. Haven't told anybody yet. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> All those ticket holders show up on whatever opening day is this year. We don't have anybody. We're not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Well, let's start with the rumor you probably don't want to have come to fruition, which is Josh Harrison, right? Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, we we keep hearing this one that the Jades are interested in Josh Harrison in Shai Davidi's recent piece, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. He brought it up again, and we've seen it on MOB Trade Rumors. I mean, he's fine. <laughs> he's a useful player, but he's not where they should be focusing their interests. He's a solid utility guy who can play a bunch of positions and hit decently well, but he costs $10 million and he's not the kind of bat that they should be focusing on at that kind of price. <laughs> It seems to me that every time the Jays are, are you know, really tied to somebody or we keep hearing the name over and over again, it's kind of something they've already got. Like, that they yes, they identified there was a problem where they didn't have a lot of flexibility. And then we got Aldemus Diaz and we get, you know, a, a couple of other names floating around. But And then they go and we hear another name that's basically, oh, utility guy who's not quite up to playing every day, but we need the flexibility. It's like, but we already got that. <laughs> What are you looking for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Harrison's better than Aledmus Diaz, but it's, again, it's it's an upgrade over a utility infielder, and he's not good enough to be an everyday starter in the outfield. But it hasn't happened yet. No, nothing has happened yet. <laughs> uh, but he does have the requisite requirement to be involved in a Blue Jays rumor, which is to have a first name that starts with J. Has a great first name. Of course he does. Uh, what is J.D. Martinez's real first name? I don't know. <laughs> I have to look this up. Look that up. <laughs> He's our next rumor, obviously. That's why I'm looking at his name. Julio Daniel Martinez. Julio. Me mm -hmm. and Julio. Uh, I would much rather this one come to fruition, even if there's an over... I mean, if Eric Hosmer is actually going to cost someone... Uh, is it... Is it Hosmer who's a, a, rumored to be around $140 million? Yep. Uh, yeah, if old Haas is going to be worth $140 million, I would gladly take J.D. Martinez around that money. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. I'm very curious to see what J.D. Martinez money does because going into even the trade deadline, you probably couldn't separate him and Justin Upton in terms of value. They're both good hitters. Martinez slightly better hitter, but Upton the better defender. And then Martinez just went off after getting traded to Arizona, hit 45 bombs at the, by the end of the season, and all of a sudden he's being talked about $200 million, which is crazy. Arizona is not Colorado, but it is a high elevation park, and it's very dry air out there. And I've, I, I mean, Edwin Encarnacion will tell you in a heartbeat that it's a great park to hit in. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's it's a home run park. It's one of the best home run parks in all of baseball. I think in a small sample, people tend to forget that. That, you know, it just might have been... Not that J.D. Martinez isn't, isn't a good hitter, but that that sudden, you know, two-and-a-half-month surge may or may not be kind of a random fluctuation amplified by a change of circumstances. Like... You know, yeah, I, I mean, he, he was hitting more, he was hitting better than his career norms in Detroit before going as well, but just got crazy in Arizona. But I mean, 2014, his slugging percentage was 553. 2015, it was 535. 2016, it was 535. 2017, it was 690. What do you think is real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you 
the, even Jose Bautista territory of, of, you know, turning in from something to something else entirely different. Uh, he did not maintain that kind of jump for year after year after year. And and again, we're, we're not talking about uh, a guy who doesn't have any track record prior. Yes, he's a he's a power hitter. I, I don't dispute that at all. But nobody's like 690. No, no. So he's not that. He's he's not going to be that. And to expect that, I think, is crazy. But I would take the 2014 to 16 JD Martinez in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the question is, do you? What do you end up paying for for 2018 to 2021 JD Martinez? And then what are you on the hook for afterwards? Yep. Anyway, well, neither of us thinks this is likely, but. Uh, the fact that it's up. still even being talked about <laughs> it could just be Boras feeding names to people but it could be uh, who knows well <laughs> you know it, it, it he is the agent of agents for a reason he knows where to feed information to whom and how it should come out so big big props to Scott for keeping us talking about things that will never happen every year one more Josh shall we talk about another Josh not you <laughs> Well, we should always be talking about me, but I'll allow someone else. So, uh, Jim Bowden, Bowden, Bowden. Ah, oh, we'll Ralph. just call him Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's. Does he know what he's talking about anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. So, just before you explain what this was, the context of this piece was a ranking, a grading of the off seasons. It's January 3rd and nothing's happened. What the hell's the point of that? (laughs) (laughs) I think some writers, when they get older, and I don't know how old Jim is, but when, you know, you become a veteran, you sort of go, well, it's usually about this time of year that I write this piece. It's about X. And then you kind of like, well, it's worked every other year. (laughs) (laughs) Why? You know, people expect it. Yeah, truly, any kind of off-season grade, everybody gets a D. Other than... You know the the Angels and uh, and the Yankees. And, well, I, yeah. the Marlins get an F. But. Well, it's like Ben, ben Carsley, who's baseball respectus, he does the fantasy and uh, and vice versa the Red Sox as well. But <laughs> I saw the tweet. he gave. Yeah, everyone gets an incomplete except the Marlins who got an F. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we're not. We're we're in kind of a weird situation. Um, the Cespedes barbecue. Who are two different people who run one Twitter account. I'm still not understanding what that is, but they also now work for MLB.com. Uh, um, they were looking at top 50 free agents, according to MLBTradeRumors.com, and how many have signed up till this date in previous off-seasons. So the, the top 50, I think, normally it's somewhere between like 25 to 35 of the top 50 are gone off the list now. Uh, and we're at 17, I think. And then they did the top 25. If you include Masahiro Tanaka, which was also mentioned in um, Shai's piece, if you include uh, Tanaka, who did not opt out of his contract, he didn't have to re-sign anything, um, you have five of the top 20 who've signed. That's the least since, like, 2011 or something. So... It's the least ever. Their tweet went back to the 07-08 offseason when it was 16, yeah, but other than that, the lowest was nine. Yeah, so it's a weird kind of waiting game that everybody's playing. You know, I understand we're still six weeks from pitchers and catchers, but it's kind of, I don't know. It, it, how do you read it? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this, I guess we can, before we get to that that rumor that we were going to talk about, this is sort of, Shai Davidi put out this piece, essentially on this very topic. And he talked about some of the things that were we've talked about before, about how everyone seems to be trying to wait out the market. In the past, in the past, we've seen teams like the Orioles do this habitually, and they got Nelson Cruz one year, $8 million one year, which was insane. And we've seen guys like Ian Desmond one year, $8 million, these qualified offer players that stay out there. But if everybody's doing it, that's not going to work. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by the uh, the small market and how you don't end up with some sort of collusional strategy when there's only 30 teams and not all 30 are looking for the same thing. Like, I mean, people who are pursuing a free agent must know there's only three or four other teams who really have their sights set on the same free agent. Why do they bid it up to $25 million a season for way too old Albert Pujols? Yeah, because they all have their sights on him and they all want that guy and they think he's different from everyone else. That's why that happens, right? It's, you know, in, in these margins, you get, here's the market. But on the superstar level, you get the bidding wars. And then you get guys who are trying to, uh, trying to ride on those coattails, right? To say, if the superstar is worth $25 million, you know, I was supposedly only worth $10 million, but... If that's what you're going to pay a superstar and I'm 60% of a superstar, maybe I'm worth 15 or 17 or 18 million. Right, exactly. And then every now and then we get market resets too. It's like all of a sudden good setup relievers are worth 10 million a season, which is crazy, but that's where we are. But now that everybody's a power hitter, power hitters aren't worth what they used to be. Again, in this tiny little market, you figure someone would be taking advantage of the cheap... um, you know, all hit tool kind of player right now and trying to see what, what about assembling a, a team on the cheap without any real defense? Well, yeah, I, I bet we're going to see it. I mean, well, I mean, heck, last year the, the Red Sox had to go without power. They Did were last in the league at home. What? Did it work? <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out in the sense that they, they made it to the, the ALDS on their pitching. And that's, you know, maybe that's worth a shot when you have the wild card positions in there. Well, I think you just have to have the right talent in order to do that. And also, they weren't trying to go with no power. They just ended up with none. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure they were expecting something in the Mookie Betts, etc. category. Someone to come up with a, a couple of uh, big hits here and there. Um we have digressed. We're supposed to be talking about Josh Donaldson. I apologize for that. I took us off the road. So Josh well, Donaldson... Well, I just decided to change the order a little bit. There you go. Josh Donaldson, uh, extension talks have begun, according to Jim. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, you know, we've been hearing all along. It's like they haven't tried, they haven't tried, they haven't tried, which is probably annoying to a lot of fans. It's like, well, why have they not trying to figure out if this is worth it? Because that could change every tactic that they could be trying to do it's like well if they can't keep Donaldson then what but my guess is that they've had some idea and talked to Donaldson a while ago because mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense like there's no reason not to at least had some discussion about what they're thinking yeah because right now he is the franchise player on the the offensive side you could argue the pitcher but for sure on the offensive side he is the franchise player you need to know what happens to him in the next three years, at least have some good odds on that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that part of the reason that maybe coming to the four now is that they have to start negotiating 
arbitration contracts as well. They have to give their numbers, I think, in a couple of weeks. Right. So, I don't know, but you're right. There's no reason not to have some idea what your costs going forward could look like because that really changes every free agent conversation you have. Especially knowing that not this season, but next season, the potential free agent class is apparently one of the best of all time. In any sport. Which could be another reason why teams are holding off this year, because if you go in for three or four years on one of the rather tepid-looking free agents here, uh, and then... You know, you get boxed out because you're inflexible next year. I'm sure you're going to feel kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, that absolutely could be a factor. These teams are deciding to hold on to some cash. But at the same time, the reason all these free agents are going to be out there is because teams are going to be losing the players off their roster. So even if you sign someone, you see the Nationals go and sign J.D. Martinez, they're going to be losing the Bryce Harper buddy that they've already spent. So... I don't know. I I don't think that's a good enough excuse not to sign free agents. I'm sure there's multiple factors out there. Mm-hmm. Just like you said in, in Davidi's piece, there's a bunch of things going on and they all, I'm sure every fan base is frustrated. That's the other thing is it's obviously not just a, a you know unique to the Blue Jays problem at the moment. I'm, I'm curious to see what finally clears the log jam though. At some point, these players have to, start signing and when they do it's going to happen in fairly short order you would have to think so that everybody knows where they're going for spring training yeah i i don't know what it'll be maybe it's the for in each tier of players i mean we saw it with the relievers right all these middle relievers sign in the span of a week and a half mm-hmm. just but it might be with the outfielders if lorenzo kane signs or jay bruce yeah and they could just be like oh okay that's the market and then it'll move that's the price all right, maybe we should just pull pull a little bit of money together, sign somebody, <laughs> see what we can do. All right, let us move on from this uh, rather droll offseason and uh, tell me about another top 10 prospect list. Did we not have the Baseball America one on our last podcast? We did, yep. I think this is the time. Well, it's certainly a good time because nothing else is happening. All right, roll but... me up some uh, BP top 10. So no surprises at the top. Guerrero, Bichette, Alfred, one, two, three. And I think Pearson was four on the other one as well. But then it really it's really different from the last one. It's Connor Green is five, wasn't on the last list. Logan Warmoth is six. Danny Jansen's seven. Reed Foley's eight. Ryan Barucki's nine. And TJ Zoik is ten. See, I knew Zoik would get in there somewhere. Yeah. And they didn't even have Eric Pardino, who was in the previous one, in their top 20. Hmm. And of course, there's no Guriel on this list at all. He's on. He's in the next ten. They 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 list the next ten in not alphabetical order as opposed to numerical. I like what uh, I think it's Keith Law does whenever he lists his top twenty five, and people ask, you know, how about so and so? And he was he always answers the same. Well, he was just he just missed at number twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> does he do that? Yeah. Right. If you anytime someone asks about someone not the list. It's always, they just missed at number 26. Everybody goes home happy. (laughs) I haven't seen that. It's been a couple years, I think, since since I've seen him responding to that stuff online. But it always cracks me up. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he could have been, you know, your guy was 11th if he's in the top 20. He was 11th for sure. Just. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, one of the differences that BP does, and I don't want to give this all away because it's behind the paywall, but... 
you know, Guerrero, they were very low on him relative to everyone else last year. They didn't have him in their top 100. And now they're saying he's a uh, future role of a role 70 player as potentially, which is, and they say, a 300, 400, 500 as the slash line threat who can fill in at third. What a difference a year makes. <laughs> <laughs> and the likely, they say, is a, is an above average hitting first baseman, which that's the way they always do it. But then, you know, that's the kind of player we're talking about, though. Him and Bichette, they, people just love these guys. And it's nice to have your prospects loved. I, you know, it's been a long time since we've heard that. I, I think it's funny. I think it's probably also an object lesson in, in th- there is a group thing going on with prospects. Not that these guys aren't good, but rarely do you see someone, oh, some organization hold the line on a guy when everybody else, even if he hasn't, you know, actually gotten to double A or triple A. They're like, well, if everybody else thinks he's great, maybe we better look at him again and see if he's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there could be some element of that. But also at the same time, you could just look at their numbers and what they did and how rare that is and have had n- heard nothing from anybody else and think these guys are special. Oh, yeah. But why wouldn't you think that, that you know, Vlad was special last year or at least rank in your top 100? Yeah, that was interesting. And they... They were the outlier when it came to everybody else in the industry. I think they just wanted to see a bit more. And they actually said something similar for Pardino. They, they were saying, we just like this kid has his nice supports, but we haven't seen him. Um, so, yeah, man, actual manpower is, I guess, sometimes an issue as well, getting, getting enough looks at a player. But it also, it was more just that outside of his WBC appearance, he hasn't really pitched much. He, hasn't pit- he didn't pitch after signing. So, you know, it would be all about seeing the looks of in Brazil. And then just, you know, that's not easy to do. No, no, obviously not. So um, were you surprised by anyone else on there? Reed Foley? Reed Foley and Green were the interesting ones. Um, I actually thought that at least one of them would do higher in the Baseball America just because they were so highly regarded coming into the year, especially Reed Foley. Mm-hmm. And then they both sucked. They were they're both terrible in 2017, <laughs> but they're still not old for their for their levels, and they both still have the stuff. So I don't know why you would just dismiss them. Uh, I guess because only so many names fit in the top ten. I, I don't have an answer. <laughs> well, no, I mean obviously that's true, but I've been seeing a lot of this where people are acting as though they have been passed by, and they're oh well, we'll trade them for whoever. They're still pretty good prospects. So overall, you know, the, the, the idea here is that the Jays system is, uh, in, in the sense of the top of the system, perhaps better than we thought it might be a year ago at this time. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. But what what's interesting about this one, and if you think about it, like the fact that this list is so different from the Baseball America list suggests that there's good depth in the system now as well. Hmm. If everything was the same, the top 10 in both, <laughs> then it's like a consensus and then the rest of the guys are just the rest of the guys right so anyway that's kind of interesting and encouraging we need encouragement uh, because yeah these are the players who we're going to be counting on again you need young cheap controllable players to build a team around that's that's one of the 
things about baseball i think is is pretty much undeniable there have to be some in the mix at, at the very least available at those high upper minor levels if you're going to make a run at things yep and i want to mention one more name because they mentioned him in their next 10 my dude tim Mesa. <laughs> he's in there <laughs> he's 11th um exactly <laughs> All right. The other prospect, of course, uh, who you said was on the list, who we actually have sort of news about, is uh, Anthony Alford is playing in the Mexican League this winter uh, in order to get um, some more reps, I assume because he had uh, an injury this year after being called up to the majors. How's it going for him? Well, he's done now. But it it went really well. (laughs) (laughs) He hit 343 with a 373 on base and a 443 slugging in 75 plate appearances. So he's down there to swing the bat, and and he was doing it right. Right. And, you know, for a guy who did have some injury issues and didn't get a lot of reps, again, these these foreign leagues are – they're adults. They're men playing. This is not prospect leagues. Mm-hmm. So it's nice when the guys go down there and perform. And we got that from Anthony. So, again, Anthony – hopefully will at least be a role player on the team or get a shot at being a role player on the team. Um, I feel like if, if Anthony Alford gives the, the team a chance at the major league level to trade Kevin Pilar away for a real asset. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, sorry, Kevin, I love you, but um, we, <laughs> we did have a bunch of questions and in that I, uh, I will play said stinger for the questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Hit me with the first one, my friend. All right. So this one comes from Chris Shaw. Feels like a trade for McCutcheon and Cole would check a lot of boxes for the Jays. Who would you be willing to give up, and who do you think it would take? Um, I also would like to point out that the Twitter handle here is uh, the Shaw, the underscore Shaw KR, the Shocker, which is, I like a clever Twitter mm. handle, so shout out. Um, what do I think it would take? I think it would take one of those three names that you just put at the, the top of the 10 prospect list, and I don't think it's happening for that reason, but maybe I'm just a pessimist. No, I don't think you are. Given everything we heard, I mean, obviously there's a huge box of salt you got to take with any trade rumors, but <laughs> it, it sounded like the stickering point was that the Pirates wanted Gleyber Torres for Garrett Cole alone, <laughs> and the Yankees wouldn't do it. And Gleyber Torres is in the he's in the conversation with the best prospect in baseball with Vladimir Guerrero and Ronald Acuna. So I don't think there's any chance that it could be ha- that could happen for. Cole alone, let alone both of them. Um, do you still like McCutcheon though, as a as a piece on his own? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I, I would I would happily see them go after McCutcheon on his own. I, I think he could cost considerably less because he's one year away from free agency. They have a lot of outfielders. He'd still probably, you know, take some of your prospect depth away and some of your good ones. But I don't think it's the, you know, the Guerrero Bichette conversation. And sometimes if you're getting a guy in his contract year, there is the contract year effect where he might be playing, uh, you know, for that money a little bit harder. It doesn't work for every player, but sometimes players give themselves a little, uh, a little boost in that final year. Wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And he would absolutely fill a need. 
You mean uh, a, a all-star caliber outfielder? <laughs> An outfielder <laughs> who can hit, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? We, we, don't we have five or six outfielders? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, from uh, Akmedo, A-K-M-E-D-O. Is it's Shapiro and Atkins' third season in charge? What is your assessment of what they have done since uh, joining the Blue Jays organization? Yes, that was pretty clear. <laughs> it makes it sound like they're playing for the team. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, I think that most of what they have done has been quite good. You know, they some things we didn't realize would be good, like the Justin Smoke extension, the double Liriano trades were really good. You know, bring in Jay Happ, re-signing Estrada, things like that. Well, actually, technically, Atkins wasn't there for those last two, but that was still Shapiro. And then there were missteps, like J.P. Howell was a train wreck. And Jose Bautista, him coming back, was, you know, it didn't work out. But on the whole, I think that they've done a decent job. But this offseason, I think, is where we can really determine whether they've been good or not, because this is the first time where they've had a lot of moves to make. I think... They they seem to be fairly adept at picking what I would describe as the safe move or the middle of the road move or the you know, fill a slot move, whether you know it be Kendrick Morales, who you know as much as he was disappointing in some aspects it, it, because he just nobody knew how slow he was. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> he he is though more or less what you expected in terms of overall bat. He's not not surprising and re-signing Estrada was a good move again because you, you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get they, they seem to they know a consistent player and mostly have gotten consistency out of those players with the exception of Jose Bautista and I don't think that situation worked out the way he, either party really wanted it to I think that was sort of a face-saving thing at the end of the offseason yeah but what you're saying there I think that's sort of what I was saying at the end this is what they've done. They've just filled a hole here, filled a hole there because of the roster they inherited and, you know, the contracts that came with it. There wasn't necessarily a lot of creativity available and now there is. And so I think we're really going to get our sense of them. Hopefully <laughs> before the next podcast, we'll get some ideas. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So the next question comes from rally cap, Andy, and of course it's uh perhaps a little tongue-in-cheek if the jays sign a player in a forest but no one is around to hear it dot 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 that's the theme of this podcast i think um we're in the forest right now though i assure you we have the forest staked out i'm i'm actually broadcasting from a tent right now just one i'm almost hoping there's people around to hear us <laughs> we're not just doing this for nobody <laughs> yeah you want is it is it even is it even the kind of podcast uh market for us right now is is that a problem um it, we still love you all of you are out there faithfully hoping we have something to report <laughs> uh, uh yeah philosophy That's... not really our, our strong point yeah but no there's no signings forrester anywhere i'm sorry <laughs> sorry <All right>. andy <laughs> hit me with the all next right, this... one yeah, this one comes from Buckminster Fuller at DJ Buckminster. He asked two questions. I'll read you the first one. What rookies do you think we see make appearances this season? Are any of those stints meaningful? Uh, Ryan Barucki? Is that oh, yeah. only if somebody gets hurt? Well, he's a pitcher, so definitely. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, who else? I don't know. 
any other names pop to the top of my mind. I mean, it would be interesting to see Connor Green or TJ Zoic. But I think it's Anthony Alford. I think it's the one you talked about before. I would not be at all surprised if by June, and Kevin Pilar still hasn't learned that you're not supposed to swing at pitches three feet out of the strike zone, <laughs> that Anthony Alford takes his job. I mean, if he hits in AAA for the first couple months of the season, there's no reason to keep him down. And he's a center fielder, and that's what he should be playing. So if they don't sign a Lorenzo Cain or whoever, I think that that's the guy you're looking at. Otherwise, it's the starting pitchers you mentioned, like Barucki or Tom Pannone or Taylor Guerrero, someone like that. And we do think Alfred Stint could be meaningful. Absolutely. As you said, that was the second part of the question. So, A star potential player. Yeah. I will ask you the second question because I think you're qualified to answer it more than me. Uh, <laughs> where do the Jays need to look to fill the gaping organizational hole left at ambidextrous pitcher? This is the most important question we have ever been asked on this podcast. No more Venditti. I know. We've had some not Pat Venditti's the last couple seasons. But and the, the reason they're not Pat Venditti's is because clearly they've only been throwing with one arm. Right. But if we've been paying attention. We've seen a few videos recently of you Darvish throwing pitches with his left hand. He's the answer. Go sign him, get that ace at the front rotation, and have a guy that can throw with his other hand if necessary. So I think they should change the rules so that if a player were to enter the game throwing with his left, we'll, we'll say his left hand to start, and through, say, as a starter for five innings and never switched from the left hand, that he should be able to enter the game and relieve as a right-handed only pitcher later. So he'd been taken out of the game and then come back in as a righty? Yeah. <laughs> I don't see why you'd want to do that, but it's pretty funny. That arm hasn't made an appearance yet. <laughs> All right. But then you don't get the, the signals from John Gibbons where he goes out and lifts both arms. <laughs> best signal ever, uh, except for finger guns. So second best signal ever. Sorry, third best. I'm sorry. The best one still ever was Ozzie Guillen in the, with the White Sox when he had Cliff Polite warming up and Bobby Jenks. <laughs> so he put a signal for the writing. It's like, and the wide guy, the tall guy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So uh, Kate Stanwick is our last question at OK Stan. Make three predictions about the Blue Jays in 2018. You want to go first? Um. I predict that, uh, let's see, I did have one. Uh, I predict we will see a walk-off Grand Slam from a player who is not on the roster right now. Wow! <laughs> That's a bold prediction. <laughs> All right. I'll stick with what I said. I think that Anthony Alford will be a starting outfielder for this team by July. All right. Uh, I will give you... Aaron Sanchez will either be under 50 innings or over 180 innings this season. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say something similar. So there you go. There's three <laughs> predictions from us. Uh, I predict, uh, okay, one last bonus prediction. I predict that I will not get unblocked by Marcus Stroman on Twitter. <laughs> I don't think he does that. So that's not even a, <laughs> that, that's just a, a fact. That's just happening. That's not a prediction. <laughs> Well, I could make a nastier prediction about his Twitter account, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the questions, and as such, it uh, it moves us into final thought territory. 
All right. Well, I really do think that things are going to open up now because as you mentioned, six weeks until spring training and you can't make all your moves right before it. You have to somehow build a roster so you know what you've got. So I think some of this logjam has to finally start breaking up in the next week or two. Uh, I would like to encourage everyone to head over to the Hall of Fame tractor run by Ryan Thibodeau at Not Mr. Tibbs. Um, he is receiving and tallying the ballots of all the people who are, are willing to share one with him. And uh, it looks like fingers crossed we might actually get a five member hall of fame class this year which would do something to clear the backlog of ridiculously talented players who go into cooperstown um and it's fun for me to follow along with so if you're a baseball junkie and looking for something it does just about every day he gets a at least a ballot so something changes unlike the rest of the offseason that's All it right. this was uh well no wait you were that's how i'm supposed to start this <laughs> You were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this was Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 84. And we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. <laughs>